0: greetings 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 and welcome to our show tonight the silence of our friends that's right you're streaming live with us uh uh, the chances are very good uh to our monday evening program the silence of our friends it would be of great value and you would help us greatly to increase our space cyberonically and as far as youtube is concerned many of you are watching by facebook live right now that's fine uh please share the link share the program on your personal pages it would be of a great favor to me and i would appreciate it greatly uh those of you that are over on youtube watching live now if you would share the link make sure and subscribe to this particular channel of youtube and it would help us to get the word out about our endeavors as far as answering some of the difficult questions regarding race here in these yet to be United States and how it uh, became so divided with um, people of the same blood types and um, the same capability of exchanging blood. But uh, we have such inequity here in this country uh, yet to be united. So please help us. Um, expand our reach, expand our touch, because I believe um, what we're doing here is of value. Uh, Whether it's reaching you or whether it's reaching people or not, I feel that there is a calling uh, to do it. There's an assignment to do it, to bring uh, added value to people who have been uh, spoken of in pejorative ways and diminutive ways uh, for um, a very good long time. And so welcome to our show tonight. The show's topic um for this evening is the hypocrisy of separate but equal the hypocrisy of separate but equal and separate but equal of course is set off in quotation marks because that's a legal term that came about after the emancipation proclamation was signed and the slaves were freed uh it was a a legal maneuver it was actually a law set in the books Um, To say semantically that the uh, slaves yet as they had been liberated, they are equal to everyone else, particularly the white majority in this country. Um, But yet they need to be they need to be separated in almost every facet of life. There was. and I'm going to get more into that in, in one moment's time. Um, the show topic has a little bit more to it. The hypocrisy of separate but equal. And in parentheses, Mr. George Floyd, Miss Brianna Taylor, Dylan Roof and Sebastian Arzadon. Uh, Arzadon, excuse me, Sebastian Arzadon. Those four names have something in common. I'm gonna get into it a little bit differently and I'm gonna show you a graphic. So um, there's gonna be a visual aid to help us communicate the point tonight. And so if you haven't been with us for a certain time or if you know of people who are not streaming with us, please reach out to them right now. I believe tonight's um, show, which airs every Monday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central time will be of great value uh, to people holistically, not just black and brown people um black and brown people but we are uh appealing to um the white majority uh in terms of how to settle uh, these racial differences and this discord that has erupted in our country but it has gone on for uh, ever since the country was founded and it's in the fabric of our country Um, in slavery was uh, a part of the beginning the beginning of the uh this newfound land so to speak slavery or enslavement of the black and brown people was a part of it and so it has grown up in as the country has grown so has this this notion of people black and brown not being uh, of equal kind class and calibration and so um we open tonight Uh, i love to open our shows with several quotes from dr king Uh, What will be remembered in the end will not be the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And do you have to wonder how friendly is a person who has uh, the wherewithal to be able to communicate when injustice is occurring? And yet, for whatever reasons, they have remained silent as long as it isn't touching them. It's kind of like um, this particular disease this uh, airborne virus that has impacted our globe um, the world as we know it all seven continents have been impacted at least six of the known seven uh and we it seems as though people are not concerned until the virus and its ill effects devastating effects reaches and touches their family or someone that's a uh, closely associated with them, then they take it seriously. It's kind of the same way with silence. Um, people know, see, uh, and have uh, sometimes been uh, on the end of experiencing certain things um, and have been very silent about it. Uh, another, statement that Dr. King made, and I think it governs and helps us to keep the wheels on the track, so to speak. Nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. Two classifications: sincere ignorance on the one side, conscientious stupidity on the other. The sincerely ignorant are those, in my view, uh, of whom uh, have sincere hearts, they're good people, well-intentioned people, Uh, They have good training in some instances, church people exposed to the greater law of love as they know it. But as it relates to racial issues and racial injustices, they are sincerely ignorant. They view things as they have been taught to view them. Uh, and, And in most cases, they are quite wrong. The other side of that paradigm are those conscientiously uh, stupid. And th- th- in some instances, the word stupid just fits. Um, when people are learned on the one ha- hand, and they've read books, they've been in institutions of higher learning, they have participated in discussions, uh, quorums, uh, whereas people who are uh, learned as they uh, have, exchanged intellectual exchanges, they see the wrongs, they see the injustices, they are fully aware of uh, corporate injustices in the boardroom uh, as far as decisions that are made uh, regarding people uh, who are black and brown and against the same, Uh, but they are stupid. They feel that this is the place, the plight, um, the, the assignment, the... Uh, the position of people because they have never viewed them a- as equals. The premise of this show is to answer questions surrounding the generally unfair treatment of people of color in America. <clears throat> and there are so many people who like to give opening justifications, not that we need them. But there are so many people that would say, uh, Reverend, this is good, but you should you should keep relegated. You 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 should Uh, confine your reach to the brick and mortar church building. Preach the Bible, thump on it a few times and uh, uh, call it a day. But when it comes to social ills, uh, the church should be silent and just be the church. I don't believe that. I can't find any sufficient evidence of that. I know church fathers, I know church leaders, um, and, and, and they're good people and many of which will never Uh, openly put their foot into the fight, put their hat, so to speak, proverbially into the ring and call the spade black. Um, You know, Peter didn't do that over in the book of um, Ephesians chapter two. He didn't do that when when Paul, both apostles, Paul, uh, excuse me, Peter did. Paul didn't do that regarding Paul. Um, Paul didn't do it regarding Peter. I get it right. Uh, Peter walked with Jesus and you would have thought he would have had his uh, walk circumspectly and he would have had. And that's what I love about the Bible. It gives us the pros and the cons because we can see ourselves and we can see our own mistakes and we can see the mistakes of humanity. And uh, God is fair in that sense because he shows us uh, the good sides as well as the bad. I've got to get on with it. But uh, Paul accosted Peter because of his ethnic Um, inferiority and superiority. He hung out, Peter that is, with Gentile non-Jewish people as long as Jewish people were nowhere in sight. But when the brethren came from Jerusalem, he made a quick getaway uh, from the Gentile non-Jewish people, acted as if he never fellowshiped with them, and Paul accosted him and from the narrative it sounded as if it was almost a violent um, meeting of the minds, should we say. Um, it, was, it was Jesus's open rebukes to the government of his day that had him killed at an age of 33. Uh, it was the Romans who were in charge of the Jewish community and uh, it was the Romans, it was the Roman Caesar who had uh, Pontius Pilate, who had, or governor at least, who had Jesus arrested, even though he tried to cleanse himself from it, it was it was Pontius Pilate. It was on the watch of the Roman government and Jesus' constant conflict with not only the Roman government, but also uh, the Jewish hierarchy. Uh, we love to teach and preach in the church and have loved it for years uh, about these three Hebrews. and Actually, it was four who were uh, taken by the Babylonians as they overran uh, Israel and overran the nation of Israel in the, in the, the city of Jerusalem. And they took the elites, um, these young students, um, 14, 15 years of age, Daniel being their senior, he probably was in his late 20s, early 30s. And it was a conflict with the Babylonian government that had Daniel thrown into a den of lions. We would have never had that story had he not taken a stand and not been silent. As a matter of fact, when he was told to not pray to any other God other than the God that had been constructed in the common market, Daniel opened his windows and he wasn't silent. He turned toward the city of Jerusalem and to the, toward the temple in Jerusalem, actually, because that was Solomon's prayer when the temple was dedicated, um, that if the people were ever besieged by any other government and if they just turned towards where the temple was located and prayed that God would lift them and God would elevate them, he was not silent and it was not church, it was political. It was for political reasons that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were their Babylonian names given them, were thrown into the fiery furnace. It was political. These were church people, people of God who took a stand. And so separate but equal, what is it? Well, separate but equal is again a a legal statement as I open the show tonight that has to do with uh, laws that were placed in the book After the emancipation was signed and the slaves were freed, after reconstruction, right before, there was this law that was put in place that stated, yes, these blacks, these uh, uh, former slaves are, are equal but we must keep them separate. And you have to wonder when you look into history, what was the idea of this separation? What was the idea uh, out of which arose this, these what we refer to as Jim Crow laws? And um, these were state constitutional provisions that mandated or demanded the segregation, the separation and or segregation of public schools, public places, public transportation, and the segregation of restrooms, restaurants drinking fountains between white and black people. The US military was already segregated. So we can talk about um, Jim Crow laws. When we speak of Jim Crow laws, it's just an issue of semantics. Jim Crow is the same thing as saying separate but equal, which is the same thing as saying segregation. And I may give you some definitions in a a moment's time. From the, the 1880s into the 1960s, the majority of American states enforced segregation through Jim Crow laws. So let's take it segment by segment. Jim Crow laws were separate but equal um, provisions that kept black and brown people separate from the white majority, all right? But these laws were enforced um, through uh, the, the, the separate but equal law was enforced through Jim Crow laws and they varied from state to state. Um, and the, these laws got their name and this is interesting, after so-called black character in minstrel shows. And I did, you know, one source said that, but just stay with me. Uh, From Delaware to California and from Dakota to Texas, many states and cities as well, could impose legal punishments, legal punishments on people for consorting with members of another race. So if they, uh, if the legal system, law enforcement community, and this is again in the fabric of our country, And it's from these particular laws and these particular ordinances that you see this uh, heinous uh, uh, disdain between the races that has uh, seemingly all of a sudden erupted. But the seeds were there uh, from a long time ago, from the beginning of the nation. Um, The most common types of laws forbade intermarriage and ordered business owners and public institutions to keep their black and white clientele (laughs) separated. Now, this is interesting to me because the way I'm wired, I have to ask the question, okay, what was this instance of separation all about? I understand the origin, but what was the intent? What were they driving at? What, what, what type of control were you trying to manifest by way of this segregation or separation? Jim Crow laws were a collection of state again and local statutes that legalized, please hear this, racial segregation, separation, segregation, same thing named after a black minstrel show character. It wasn't, as I delved further, it wasn't so much a black person as much as it was the character portrayed by a white minstrel performer. Now, white minstrelists or minstrel performers were often uh, performing in blackface. And there was some disdain with that. There were, this was pointing to, or uh, making fun of black and brown people. And it was accepted. It was very accepted uh, during this time period. So this performer's name was Thomas Dartmouth Rice. We traveled all over the country performing the song, Jump Jim Crow, Jump Jim Crow. The name Jim Crow is very old and the origin is obscure. It was made popular by a song and a dance routine in 1828. So again, this is just before, let's just say 40 years or so before the Civil War ended, before the war between the states, which was fought over um, slavery in America, black slavery in America and the profits, the capitalism uh, that was gleaned uh that was gained by way uh, of black slavery so as a result jim crow in quotes became a pejorative uh, that's a low speaking uh diminutive uh, 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 uh name term for african americans so when you heard the term jim crow you were talking about people of color um the laws which existed for about 100 years from the post Civil War era until 1968. So again, uh, after we've dealt with the beginning of our country and we the people never included black people because the fathers and framers of our country, uh, of the uh, 56 signers, I believe it was, uh, 41 or so were slavers. They were slave owners. So it was impossible for you to be considering having this New land, this newfound land uh called uh, uh, debutized uh, deputized if you will, uh as the home of the free, the land of the brave. It was impossible for you to be considering black and brown people if when you returned home from the constitutional Congress, you had the plantation, two-thirds of these signers had, uh, plantations and had black people working in the field from can't see to can't see. And you had uh, mammies, and I use that term very loosely and very sympathetically, who were black women taken away from their own families to raise the, the slave master's family. And some of whom, well, he some of these persons he fathered who were uh in the stills in the slave quarters but he was the father nonetheless it is very heinous so you can go into um some of our earlier streams and see uh, the heinousness that was associated with black slavery in america but these laws existed for they were post-civil war laws that existed for nearly 100 years they were meant and here we are here we are now They were meant to marginalize African Americans by denying them the right. See, if you deny a person rights, even though you've made them free legally, but if you deny them rights, the same rights as their opposite equals have, you have by way of semantics and by way of clever reasoning, you still have low rated them and relegated them to certain classifications in this class system, which is invisible, but yet very powerful. And this is in the fabric of our country. This is how the country was founded. Uh, One of these days, I'm gonna do a show uh, on the, uh, the making, the movie, um, the making of a country, I leaving a word or two out, but it's an, an important, impactful uh, black and white movie uh, that, has, that has everything to do with the mindset of these yet to be United States. So these African-Americans were denied the right to vote, hold jobs, get an education and other opportunities. Those who attempted to defy Jim Crow laws often faced arrest fines, jail sentences, violence, hear me, wait for it, and even death. So the object of segregation, I found an article which I read and found to be very interesting, an article uh, entitled Segregation, call it what it is. Stephen F. Lawson uh, is the author of the article on Department of History, Rutgers, the the State of New Jersey, excuse me, National Humanities Center Fellow. Uh, and this is from the National Humanities Center. Racial segregation was a system, and so you, we, as as people, we have to become knowledgeable, knowledgeable of, and aware of systems. Systems, in my view, are intangible, organized, pragmatic behaviors uh controlled behaviors without words um it, it's 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 expected that if a person comes to an individual's house for a visit without words the system is you would be courteous and you wouldn't walk from the front door to the refrigerator if you're a guest you'll wait no one had to tell you that no one had to give you your placement but the system has been set up and you've been ingrained to understand certain placements, certain prerogatives, certain actions, as well as attitudes. Systems can be very, very powerful because of their intangible nature. They are intangible, no words, can't touch it, can't see it necessarily, but the, the force of it, the, the uh, thrust of it uh, impacts people, and keeps them in a place it is uh, i often wondered um uh being a father and when my children were very young i took them to the circus um uh, every every year for a period and it was amazing to me that the lion was there and he was being controlled by the lion tamer The king of the beast, though not the biggest, but he thinks he is. See, that's a system right there. That's systematic thinking. He is not the largest beast uh, in the jungle. Um, uh, Probably the elephant is or the uh, rhinoceros or hippopotamus is probably three-way tie there. But the lion thinks he is. But when he's under the big top, he is controlled by one slender and sometimes maybe even a female lion tamer. And the way you've done that is because when he was a lion cub, you, you tied him to a stake and you as he became larger, you made the chain stronger and made the stake larger until after a while the system embedded in his mind that he could not break free. And so now the the lion tamer, as he snaps that whip, he, he that, that lion, the old experienced lion has been hearing the snapping of that whip since he was a young cub and it always made him get in place. He hears it now because the system is impacting him. He Although he has the force to drive everyone out, he doesn't take that action because the system has him controlled. It's the same with uh, an the elephant. I was amazed to see the elephants with sometimes uh, no restraints at all, and people are riding them under the big top in the circus. Every now and again, however, you have a pachyderm, a uh, several thousand pound elephant, who will who will decide the system. The intangible system cannot keep him in place, and he is no longer silent and you have had occurrences, you can Google that or fact check that, uh, put that in your search engine and you'll come up with stories over the years where elephants have uh, broken out, broken free in circuses. Well, it's the same thing. Uh, When people who are architects of certain behavior, we call them the mores uh, of society in in sociology, um, norms and values, uh, have, have to do with the way, they study the way people think, actions and reactions, um, what, what causes responses, certain things. I'll give you a good example. Um, when I was in marketing, I realized um, after taking certain courses, and I've got to get along here, I've uh, taken certain courses um, that there are certain uh, words that marketers understand, one of which is um, pre-engineering or, or conditioning. Um, You'll be in an elevator, for example, and you have what's called or referred to as elevator music. And it's just something soft, classical music, uh, maybe some light jazz. And after a while, there'll come a commercial. And that commercial will run every time you get on that elevator, you hear the music, you hear the commercial. And subtly, without thought, you are being systematically programmed to think about the ads that you are hearing, and it's, it's, it's designed to generate your response to their product without words, without shoving, without pushing, without cajoling, there you are. And so systems can be very, very, very impactful, and we have to become aware of systems, knowledgeable of systems, in other words, and we have to be able to discern when a system is programming certain things. And, and, and in my view, the United States is responding to dangerous because all of the socially better and make the living conditions of blacks socially inferior. What are you doing? You are feeding into an inferior thought process. Without words, these intangible notions uh, okay, let's just keep going. So during the era of slavery, most African Americans resided in the stop, in the South, mainly in rural areas. Under these circumstances, segregation did not prove necessary as the boundaries between free citizens and people held in bondage remained clear. So when you were in the South, you really didn't have this uh, argument in terms of how to keep people separate because the system itself was working so well. Furthermore, blacks and whites lived in close proximity on farms and plantations and geographical isolation made contact with, between neighbors infrequent. So slavery had set certain geographical and even jurisdictional boundaries that kept people separate. You see, you, you, when you separate the haves from the have-nots and you keep the have-nots uh, ogling, uh, viewing that which the haves possess it says of itself, you are inferior because you don't have what I have and you can't get it. And furthermore, I'm gonna keep you from it. See, we can't begin to clear up, even in in church, we can't begin to clear up the racial divides by not addressing what, what the cause was. And everyone believes this medically. (laughs) your your physician your internist is going to ask you certain questions about the cause causality versus the effects you can spend all day talking about the symptoms and never define the cause and if you don't get to the cause you can't come up with cures Oh, this is so much. Okay, however, free people of color located chiefly in cities and towns of the North and Upper South experienced segregation in various forms. By the time the Supreme Court, please hear this, ruled in the Dred Scott versus Sanford, this is 1857, that African Americans were not U.S. citizens. This is in the fabric of the country. This is 1857, the Dred Scott case. The Supreme Court, these justices ruled that the Africans, though imported here, uh, pugilistically, uh, enslaver, enslaved and brought to this country and built this country freely with no compensation, no reparations. You're not you're you're not citizens. What does that do? That embeds in the mind of these these people. You're inferior. You're not our equal. You are. You have been oppressed. We are the oppressors and you will never be able to get out of the box that your nativity, your birth put you in there. God put you there. <laughs> uh, Northern whites had excluded blacks from seats on public transportation and barred the entry except as servants. Notice the wording from most hotels and restaurants. When allowed into auditoriums and theaters, blacks <coughs> occupied Separate sections. They also attended segregated schools. Most churches, too, were segregated. And this is this is what takes me out of the argument that people who are born again, people who are lovers of God and His Son Jesus Christ, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, should not be addressing these social ills. And, and here's the reason: these particular social ills of ethnic ambiguity and disunity disharmony and uh inequity are in the church the black church versus the white church and when blacks migrate into white churches they're mostly minstrelist they're they they sing and tap dance just like they did on Massa's farm uh, you know all i ask for is equity if, if you're going to be in the quote-unquote white church and you're a person of color then where are sufficient representatives of your own kind and quality who are on legal uh, leadership positions, making decisions that count about the impact of the ministry? Where are they in the uh, on, on the stage ministry other than talent shows? Yes. Uh, Reconstruction, and this is an important period. We're going to to do several shows on just Reconstruction. Reconstruction is the period after the Civil War, when the nation was supposed to be reconstructing itself, giving people of color who were heretofore slaves opportunities to, as the saying goes, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And so it was during that time that we had more millionaires, more... Uh, uh, political people who were involved post slavery when the HBCUs were built. These were built by people who built businesses. You have the Wall Street situation. And it goes on and on and on where the federal government shut down these communities because the federal government realized quickly that until you get these people back in their places, these people are resilient. They are resourceful. And these people are talented by God himself, just like the country of their nativity. I gave it to you a few weeks ago, go back and and watch previous episodes. And I gave you a list of the resources that are in the mother continent of Africa, over 30 natural resources, as well as precious diamonds and stones. And that is a paradox. As it is with the country, so it is with the people in their giftedness that have come from this particular country, uh, the continent of Africa, uh, uh, that of which I speak. Reconstruction after the Civil War posed serious challenges to the white supremacy and segregation, especially in the South, where most African Americans continue to live. Now, I'm, I'm okay the abolition of slavery in 1865 followed by the ratification of the 14th amendment 1868 extending citizenship and equal protection of the law to african americans now wait a minute so 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 now the the white majority has a problem and it is a multi-faced and faceted problem okay abraham lincoln the war between the states the civil war has emancipated the slaves, and this is in our great country that is yet to be united. And in 1865, 1868, we passed the uh, 14th amendment, 1865, and it made the black people who were formerly slaves, citizens with equal protection as the white majority under the law. It became a law to now make these former slaves, citizens of the United States, not three fifths, but full fledged citizens individually. And furthermore, to protect them, just like whites were protected. The same whites that were formerly uh, lynching blacks, whipping blacks pugilistically again, burning blacks, separating families of black slaves Uh, uh, just every kind of heinous thing you could think about and don't have time to go through all that. So now these these plantation owners are realizing we have a problem that's seething here. Then secondly, you had the 15th Amendment in 1870, which barred racial discrimination in voting. So this gave blacks the right to vote. So now blacks could affect their futures through the political system legally, their plight could change. And this is why it's so important. It is so important for black people to vote, to get out and vote Uh, regardless. um, I'm not so concerned about uh, the, 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 in other eras of time, in other spaces of time, we could um, pitch pennies. We could have minuscule arguments about who the political candidates are. But in this space where we are now and where we've been for some time, it's just it comes down to the lesser of two evils. You you either going to go Republican or you're going to go Democrat and if if, if you're talking about not wasting your vote. And if you believe that the Republican agenda and these these white evangelicals are getting next to me when they are are plastering just one mere fact that this president administration takes a position against abortion and then they take that and make make that outshine all the other ills of this president administration and individual leading the administration and they make this of greater value than the Democratic side with all of its failings but now wait a minute we're talking about voting. Voting is not saying we have a perfect candidate on either side. It is saying this is a lesser evil than this. It's right and wrong. It's just that simple. And I cannot for the life of me understand how men and women of God who have lifted their hand to God, taken an oath to God, would, would exonerate evil based on one premise that you will take a stand against abortion. And the Bible that I read says that all unrighteousness is sin. Not, there's not one great sin that outshines 500,000 lies, excuse me, other sins. It's is crazy. So back to, back, to, back to where we are. You had uh, the abolition of slavery, uh, which brought about the 14th amendment. Extending citizenship and equal protection under the under the law, Fifteenth Amendment, 1870, barring racial discrimination in voting. Then um, you, you you had then uh, this understanding that the possibilities of blacks sharing public conveyances and public accommodations is with whites uh, on an. Um, let me give you just a glossary of, of terms. Um, if you would, would you go ahead and put the graphic on the screen? Because I could have put these terms out here, but I want you to hear them. And I want you to see this graphic while I'm giving you this glossary of terminology. Um, and I'll explain to you what it means in a moment's time. First word, segregate, segregation, S-E-G-R-E-G-A-T-I-O-N, segregation, the practice of separating people into different areas, usually because of their race class or ethnicity desegregation de and segregation the process of ending the separation of groups of people often involving changing laws so now you see the importance of voting and the country understood this may be a problem if we give these people voting rights and equal protection under the law. law. And I feel like I'm going to go over the 13th, 14th, 15th amendments just one more time to make sure we're clear. Brown versus the Board of Education. A court case in 1954 that ended segregation in school walls. Okay, separate but equal. The Supreme Court ruled that separate but equal schools for African-American and white children were unconstitutional. So with this ruling... Segregation of the past became illegal and unconstitutional and the schools were desegregated. All right. Bigot. Bigot. What is a bigot? B-I-G-O-T. A person who refuses to accept a certain group or groups of people based on prejudice and may express intolerance, hate, fear and anger as a result. Integration, integration, these are just synonymous terms in, in, in some instances, the process of bringing together people, uh, bringing people together, usually of different races, religions, providing them with equality in society or an organization or institution integration. I say that to my black brothers and sisters who migrate to white churches, where is the integration of equality? equanimity um discrimination treating one person or one group differently from others based on something other than merit see you you when you use race or ethnicity as a qualifier or disqualifier it's discrimination on both sides whether it's black discrimination or white discrimination racism what is it the belief that certain races or skin colors <laughs> are inherently superior by birth, inherently by birth, superior to other races. Any actions that are based on this belief in any activity that comes out of the belief that you are qualified or disqualified, that you uh, you are better or worse or worsened by way of the color of your skin. Other than merit is racism and you can call it any other name. You could, you can put a title on it, doctor or Reverend or Bishop or Senator or Governor or President, but it is what it is, arose by any other name. Still arose. All right, now here are these amendments. I wanna to touch them again because an amendment is that, uh, that change from the Constitution, the original Constitution, amended to point out that the constitution was wrong when it was constructed or framed by the fathers and framers of the country. So these amendments 13th, 14th and 15th become very vital to people of color. So again, amendments in my mind point out that the consciousness that America did not include black and brown people had to be addressed if 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 everything was fair in the land of the free and the home of the brave, and it included the brown and black person, you would have had no need to amend the initial or inaugural constitution. The amendments themselves point out the guilt the point out the guilt of the fathers and framers of this country. Again, the thirteenth fourteenth and fifteenth amendments are known collectively as the Civil War Amendments as they were designed to ensure equality for recently emancipated slaves, because the whole country was evolving around the lack thereof. 13th Amendment, banned slavery and all involuntary involuntary servitude, except in the case of punishment for a crime. 14th Amendment, uh defined as defined a citizen and a person born in or naturalized in the united states which overturned the dread scott versus sanford 1857 supreme court ruling the, which stated that black people were not eligible for citizenship sip citizenship 13th amendment ended slavery 14th amendment said in just a few words that the former slaves were guaranteed citizenship and equal protection under the law, and then the Fifteenth Amendment gave these former slaves the right to vote. So, how do we address? Um, and I'm closing here. I, let's let's just go back to the topic. I have four questions that I'm just going to ask that are rhetorical, and maybe not not so much rhetorical. But you you're you're watching now on your screen um a shot that encompasses four scenarios that have persons attached to them specific persons attached to them um and this gives credence to the topic of our show the hypocrisy of separate but equal on your screen you're viewing four persons all All of whom uh, are treated separately two two of whom are treated one way two of the other the, the other two are treated a different way separate but equal hmm. they were still we are still effervescing from separate separatist non-integrated, segregated treatment as black and brown people legally because of the intangibles of the country. You have a a, a picture, and this is hypocrisy because the law was passed that we should be given the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. We are, slavery has ended. We're, We're citizens under the law. Uh, naturalized in the United States, born in the United States, we should have equal protection as our equal white partners. Uh, uh, And then uh, 15th amendment, of course, we should have the right to vote and exercise the right every chance we get. But in the case of Mr. George Floyd, nearly nine minutes, a white officer steps on his neck with other officers protecting the crowd from Uh, involving themselves you see segregation at its best it's hypocrisy because the amendment didn't work you have something called uh de facto in law Uh, i think it's a greek term d-e-f-a-c-t-o de facto means de facto law that even though the laws have changed to support a certain thing The mindset behind it being the opposite way still exists and controls the behavior. So uh, de facto, uh, from a de facto standpoint, legally speaking, separate but equal, even though legally taken off of the books is still in place. It's hypocrisy. This man stepped on this man's neck for nearly nine minutes as he called his mother and his life was lived out, out, exited this earth, this planet, on being filmed. Uh, 46 years of age, 46 years of age. Uh, Brianna Taylor, uh, 26 years of age. I don't know what happened to my, I hope I'll remember all of these numbers. I don't know what I did. Uh, 26 years of age, Brianna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, George Floyd, Louisville, Kentucky. I believe I'm right. On Breonna Taylor, 26 years of age, um, uh, a, an EMT worker. From the best of my ability of remembering this, remembering this, and in her own home, shot up like a target uh, on a uh, gun range. Equal protection under the under the law. Are you serious? I'm in my own home and I'm shot up and we still have not brought to justice those officers, unless it's happened in the last few hours. Then we have Dylan Roof, R 21 year old, who walks into a church in Charleston, South Carolina, 2015, kills nine people and, hmm, Separate but equal? I'm, gonna, I'm going somewhere. And then you, you you don't hear much about Sebastian Arzadon, 21-year-old, who is a double murderer, allegedly, in Murfreesboro. I'm not sure if I have that. Lawrenceville, Lawrenceville, uh, Tennessee. Okay, I think I have the city and states right, okay. Now, what you're seeing is how they were treated. Law enforcement kills George Floyd. Okay, video footage. Law enforcement kills Breonna Taylor. What, what, what happened to the equal protection under the law? And then watch this now. Watch what happens. Dylan Roof walks into a church, an AME church, during press service and kills nine people. Do you see how he's handled by law enforcement? He's taken to get a meal at Burger King compliments of Charleston's finest amazing and people say they can't see the racial divide in this country white people who say they can't empathize with people of color what are you are you, are you kidding? kidding me i just snatched these particular four and then watch this uh Sebastian Arzadon, a double murderer allegedly on the run from the police, they find him and they are bandaging his wounds, holding the water and, and supplying his needs. Amazing grace, how sweet to sound. This is amazing. Now, if a picture is worth a thousand words, in these instances, a picture must be worth an innumerable uh, company, uh, uh, innumerable, count of words because it makes the picture clear. You can see the hypocrisy of this country. And there are some people, most of whom are associated with this President mentioned, who see nothing wrong with here, with these instances, because black and brown people in this country were never seen as equal. I'm gonna let the pictures talk to you while I answer these four questions and we're we're finished. If you'll keep those on the screen i really appreciate it Uh, four four questions i I started to leave these as just the interrogative the questions themselves and i wanted them to be rhetorical but i don't think this is just going to be a history lesson if we don't draw some poignant uh effective and precise perhaps conclusions number one how do we address Hypocrisy in racial issues, whether it is it is all of the mountains, all of the facets that um, Jim Crowism was designed to 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 be exclusionary of black people, uh, whether it is in law enforcement, whether where, where um, uh, police officers have to arrest people, black and brown people or um, uh, intercede into matters, or whether it's in the, the, the courtroom or whether it's in the church, yes, I said the church, whether it's in the community, whether it's in your family, where there are interracial couples, whether, whether, whether this inequity is in the corporate scenario, how do we address hypocrisy and racial issues or injustices where you can see obvious wrongs um, I I my thought on this is that we must not be silent, first of all. No, 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 no. We you <laughs> the system is working if you're silent. If you're if if you see injustice and it doesn't cause you to have a a correct response, there's something wrong with you and me. We must not be silent. We must then be respectful in addressing and pointing out the deceits, whether known or unknown whether there are ignorances involved where there are injustices and our eyes see it we have to become involved respectfully and i'm going to tell you why i say respectfully in a minute because some people say violence begets violence well watch this we must endeavor to be factual and clear and this is why I'm History is so important. We must endeavor to be factual and clear uh, before you take action, black and brown people. We need to have all the facts. Uh, we, we 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 need to know Breonna Taylor was not involved in a in a drug ring and a drug outfit. We need to know that uh, George Floyd may not have even known that the alleged $20 bill was counterfeit that that he had. We don't even know if that that was the case. We have to be aware of the facts. And until facts are presented, we cannot allow people in our uh, the throes of our vision and, and, uh, and of our scope to be the, the judge, the, the jury and the executioner. That's, this is why there's divisions, separate divisions of power uh, under this the Constitution of the United States. Uh, truth cannot be compromised. It's just, that's the bottom line. Uh, uh, truth cannot be compromised. We can't be complicit with wrong. We, either thing is true or it isn't. And that's one of the things I loved about my father. He, he would say to me, son, this, this a thing, thing is, is right or it's wrong. He said, if it's me involved if i'm wrong i'm just wrong the name shouldn't shouldn't change the title shouldn't change uh, the the you 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 get where i'm going with this uh, second question i wanted to be very brief tonight but i am not done that done well with that secondly we cannot be angry now now i get the scriptures the holy scriptures and it, it finally reasoned on me and became a part of my thinking first of all angry men. The Lord taught me this: angry men never build build anything lasting, because your anger will cause you to tear it down. Angry people don't think well; you don't process well. You're you're absent of the facts when you're angry. Uh, then the scripture says, "Be angry, but sin not; neither let the sun go down on your wrath." We've interpreted that interpreted that so wrong, but I think that there's there, there are things that make you angry but you're, you can't display your anger because the message will be missed. People will emphasize on your action rather than capturing the message. They will, they will be become consumed with how angry you were that they missed the message. You, we, we have to be as black and brown people Our anger, you know, if we burn down cities, they will only see that we burn down the city, but the message will be lost. Be angry, but sin not. Find other ways to get the message out. You see, if you burn down the city and the message was missed, the burning was in vain. Uh, So angry people lose the message conveyance. People are taken by the presentation, and miss the message, whether good or not. Thirdly, lives lived in manners portraying an attraction to the message. You know, I can't call you wrong when you're wrong, if my lifestyle is so, um, over the top, belligerent, uh, so non-acceptable that now my lifestyle becomes a comp. Uh, becomes competitive with the right message that I have. I've seen people that I know who are out here on some of these fronts and God knows they took a right valiant uh, position. But their lives lifestyles are so malignant, uh, so terminal uh, that, you know, when you start studying the person, you just know you look you're looking for camera time. You know, it's skewed. We, we miss the message, because your lifestyle is now competing with the message. And so lives lived in manners portraying an attraction to the message or messages of correction. Uh, this is where education comes into play. Uh, sitting at the feet of learned others, wise others, uh, sage, other sage and wise counsel. Um, poise, unswerving successes. You see, when people see you living a lifestyle of success, regardless of your color, your message becomes valuable. The scripture talks about in the book of um, Ecclesiastes, I think it is. And it says that there was a poor man who had all the answers, the civil answers of his city. But because he was poor, no one heard him. You see, your, your, your lifestyle of, of, of a lack of success Devalues the message, even though the message may be clear. Fourthly, and finally, uh, respected by way—you know—we are respected by way of not being for sale. We have so many black and brown people that have that have lived disparagingly so long and desperately for so long. They—they—they are for sale for cheap. Uh, we've had political officers of whom many of whom we were initially proud only to come and find out they were bought and paid for uh by the powers that be keeping us further into pejorative situations when they should have had a voice to represent us uh clearly and non um, terminally Can't be bought by words, can't be bought by money, can't be bought by flattery, cannot be bought by categorization. You're the first black to do this. You're the best Negro to do that. I've never seen black people like you. That's categorization, uh, a flowery words that buy people off it for those who need that. Uh, your peers, your influences in others. And my final close, um, as we say every week, Business philosopher, philosopher Jim Ron uh, makes this quote, and I love it. Sincerity is not sincerity is not a test of truth. We must not make this mistake. Uh, quote in quote. He must be right. He's so sincere. It is possible to be sincerely wrong. We can only judge truth by truth and sincerity by sincerity. And just as there is a time to keep silent. There are also times to speak. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7, a time to rend, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. Silence is compromise. Silence is complicity with erroneous thinking. Silence is agreement with sanitized and whitewashed history. Silence is co-signing with control, racist, bigoted, and supremacy mentalities thank you for your time tonight thank you for streaming with us uh, on our program and our offering the silence of our friends make sure and subscribe to the channel share the link and we'll see you next monday evening 6 30 p.m central time thank you god bless